Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Hey, the human body is a really amazing creation. It's incredibly complex and fascinating. There are things about the human body that we may not know unless you kind of live in the anatomy and physiology or biology world. And even then, there's some kind of nuances of the human body that I think are really interesting. And believe it or not, they're apropos to what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, Here are some things that that it just kind of blows my mind. Here's one. You, each of us, contain, wait for it, trillions of bacteria. Trillions. Now, a million is a thousand thousand, and a billion is a thousand million. A trillion is a thousand billion, and we contain trillions of bacteria. Now, I don't know who actually counts those. I don't know how those estimations are made, but I'm going to go with it. And even if the scale is wrong and we only have 2 billion bacteria, that's crazy. And that's true of all of us. Now, let me give you a perspective moment. As a matter of fact, I had this thought in the car this morning. If I were to write a book in this category, this is what I would write. I would talk about scale and perspective. Let's just say you have trillions of bacteria in your body. Can you imagine how small those little entities are and how in God's plan they help Uh, They actually fight disease and they help with digestion and a number of things in your life. And God has designed that. That's amazing. But you're not aware of that. The scale of you to a trillion of anything inside of you is enormous. Think how big you would be. You'd be the size of the earth compared to me. I mean, it's unbelievable how many bacteria are in you and how big you are. And yet, sometimes in the human brain, we think, okay, I don't know whether I can get my head around God because how big could he be to be sovereign and have control and be able to know the universe and stand outside of time and do the things the Word of God says? We lose perspective that there is scale that would baffle us if we understood it. I work part-time, as I've mentioned on occasion, at French Camp Academy. And French camp is a fascinating place. That Christian academy, which has boarding students and then students from the area that attend there, 7th through 12th grade, and we also have elementary students who are there as part of sibling groups and the like. The academy has a number of entities, businesses and ministries, and uh, I've mentioned I'm responsible for several of those, the restaurant and the camp and uh, the bed and breakfast and the gift store and the thrift store and some other stuff. But we also have an observatory. The observatory's been around for many years. There's been a director there for 11 years named Edwin Fawn. And Edwin was a uh, art director, I think was his title, at the Pink Palace Museum in Memphis. And he's a scientific illustrator. So he's literally had illustrations in the front of Scientific American Magazine. He's got illustrations in the Jet Propulsion Lab for NASA. He did some illustrations for the Titanic tour as those 
remnants of the Titanic toured the nation several years ago. Some of you probably saw those. Edwin's a very fascinating guy, and he's very, um, very read into what's happening in the area of space and exploration and the universe. And we've got six domes on the hill with telescopes and a planetarium, and Edwin's fantastic. So I'm walking through there one day, and there's a picture on the wall, it's about this big. Well, it might be 12 by 18. And it's basically black. And in that picture, there's some little clusters of light. Kind of look like an out-of-focus picture of, a, of the sky or the stars. And this was about four years ago. And since then, we have an infrared satellite telescope that's taking amazing photographs of the galaxies. But this was from the Hubble Space Telescope, and this is what Edwin said, and I've heard him say it more than once to more than one group. Edwin looked at this picture, and he pointed it out to us, and he said, that may be the most impressive photograph in the history of mankind. Well, he's gotten my attention at this stage of the game. And Edwin tells us this. He said, if you look at the night sky, and he pointed a particular direction, and he said, if you take a grain of rice and you hold it up, that's about how big that view is in the night sky that has been captured by the enormous photography power of the Hubble Space Telescope, who has done composite photographs over, I think he said, 134 Uh, journeys around the earth, focusing on this one piece of the night sky about the size of a grain of rice. He said that picture is the composite of all of those journeys around the earth put together of that tiny piece of the night sky. And those little fuzzy pieces of light you see are not stars They're galaxies. And each one of those, astronomers estimate, has billions of stars. When we sing, I am a child of God, and we think about how enormous God is, It ought to put us in awe. We ought to be literally starstruck by the expanse of the universe, how small we are, but how he loves us. The human body has trillions of bacteria. Here's some other facts that just blow me away. The eye is the fastest muscle in your body. A blink is like a hundredth of a second. Uh, You have... Wait for this. A hundred thousand miles. Let's get our head around that for just a minute. I don't know how many times around the earth a hundred thousand miles is. A lot. Ten, twelve, I think. You have a hundred thousand miles of blood vessels in your body. Only 2% of humans have green eyes. All humans by DNA are more than 99% identical. The skin on your body is your largest order organ. It protects from the outside and kind of holds us together. Uh, 
when we breathe, we favor one nostril at a time? Who knew? I mean, that's weird. You'll be talking about that over lunch. I'm going to unpack some incredible pieces of God's Word here in a minute. You're going to talk about your nostril at lunch. I know what you're going to do. I know how these illustrations go. We don't know why we yawn. I always heard it's because of a lack of oxygen. Your body's slowing down, but they really don't know. Your eyes remain almost the same size your entire life. We erase and reform our memories, they're telling us. So when you have a memory, you have re-edited that. So your memories may not be exact. Who knew? Uh, You're taller in the morning. I'm about 6'6 in the morning. I don't know about you. I am gigantic in the morning. And by the time the day's over, I am beat down to about 5'1". I don't know if we're just taller in the morning. You can't breathe and swallow at the same time. You know what's hilarious? About half of you tried to do it just then when I said it, didn't you? I I looked at my wife last night and I said, this is fascinating. You can't breathe and swallow at the same time. And she looked at me and went, I knew she was trying. You can't help it. It's like a challenge. Yes, I can. No, you can't. You can't breathe and swallow at the same time. God in his design created you in such a way that you're not going to drown yourself. And this one blows my mind too. Every second you produce 25 million cells. Every second, they tell us, you produce 25 million cells. The scripture uses brilliantly in the genius mind of God, the body to describe fellowship and community of the church. We're a body. Let me say that again. We're a body. Now, the word body can be used a number of ways. You know, there's, there's the body of works that belong to Shakespeare or There's a body of music that belongs to an artist, but this is about a body, like a human body, and that is the metaphor in Scripture, Uh, one of two that are primary for our thinking today. The Word of God calls the church, those of us who are in Christ, the body of Christ. Now, today we're talking about being the body of Christ. We're talking about fellowship. We're talking about building community. We're talking about who we are as the body, it also calls us the family. We'll get to that in a moment. Let me review. We're really talking about the purposes, the reasons the church exists. And we talked about worship, placing the mind's attention, the heart's affection on God, responding to him for who he is and what he's done. And we do that by knowing our audience is God. We exalt him. It is our reasonable act of service, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Our content is the truth because he embodies the truth. And our posture, in other words, the way we approach that should be appropriate. Worship evangelism. It's one blind man saying, I was blind, now I see. It's our testimony, our story about how we came to Christ, life before, how we came to Christ, life after. Chip Henderson at Pine Lake says it's one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's evangelism at its core. It's telling the story. Discipleship, we're called to discipleship. It's making disciples. It's the great commission. It's teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you. It is 2 Timothy 2.2. It's finding faithful men who will be able to teach others 
as well. We should be making disciples, and a disciple who is truly discipled should be of the mindset that they're making disciples. So we're making disciples who make disciples. Worship evangelism, discipleship ministry, that's service. And we're really never more like Jesus than when we serve, when we meet the needs of other people. We talked about that at length last week. It is getting outside of ourselves. It's dying to ourselves. It is being like Jesus as we serve. Today we're talking about fellowship or community. And the Bible talks about us being a body and also about being a family. Now, you've got some note-taking opportunity here today. And whether you write in the blanks or not, I want to help you with this very quickly. I want to identify... Uh, what it means in fellowship to be a part of God's family. Uh, Three notes here, if you're taking notes this morning. We're his children. That's Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. And I will read that for you. Uh, You're welcome to turn to it. It'll be here. We're part of God's family. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And that is through the finished work of Christ. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under him, one head, even Christ." We are called sons, and you can read their daughters. We are family to the heavenly Father. And when Jesus talks about the Father, every religious person knew who he was talking to. That's why it looked like blasphemy. We are called sons and daughters. We're a part of his family. We are his children. We're his household. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 incredible verses here consequently and he's talking about being in Christ and he says consequently or as a result you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household so we're sons and daughters and we're a part of the family okay built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, the whole building, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are literally members of the household and we encompass the household. We're a part of what God's doing. So you and I are living stones. We are bricks. We are a piece of the household of God. We have a purpose in that. God sees us as a piece of those that have been reconciled to Christ so we would have a relationship with him. And number three, and I said it like this, wives and husbands are members of his body Ephesians 5, 22 through 23. 
I'm sorry, 22 through 32. Wives, submit to your husbands unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. It's the body again. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Not the favorite verse standing by itself. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The metaphors that God uses by his genius as body and household and members of the body, uh, they are word pictures. They're metaphors that will translate through any culture on earth. They're the relationship of a transcendent beyond our reach, bigger than we can possibly imagine God, who has visited us, if you will, incarnate in the flesh, in Jesus. Jesus says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. And we get to be a piece of the greater body of Christ because Christ loves the church, the called out ones who faith him and love him. So let me say what we know, what almost bounces off off of it, of us, pardon me, because it's so repeated, so repetitive, almost cliche. God loves you. It's not feel good, feel good about yourself. It's not build self-esteem. God who is transcendent, God, holy God of the universe loves us and we get to be members of the body. We're a part of the household because we're sons and daughters. We're a part of the family of God. So if you're at East Haven, you get to be a part of this part of the family, and we have an obligation to love each other. Now, if I were coaching a young pastor about sermon development, and I don't really do that. There are people who are much better than I am, and I'm not really a traditional preacher in so many regards anyway. But I study that and I see that and I occasionally coach. Here's what I would tell a young pastor and sometimes an older pastor. Instead of looking at an illustration and coming out of an illustration to build scripture around it, your illustration should reflect and highlight the truth of God's word. And I believe that. So today I'm telling you that I'm very careful about the illustration I'm about to use or the statistics or the research I'm about to use for just a moment, because I didn't start with this. I came to this because it was something that I was aware of in the work that I do, speaking to families and to marriages and to parenting. 
It's something I'm aware of. There's great work that has shown the success of families and the satisfaction of families, and it reflects the values of God. It's compelling. So today, you see traits of healthy families. These six traits have come out of years and years of research from multiple universities, and they're used in assessments all over the place. They're generic enough today. I want to look at them because they're going to resonate with you. Because if you're in a family that is happy and healthy, you're going, going to feel this. Likewise, if you're in a circumstance or have been or know of circumstances that are decidedly unhealthy, this is going to resonate with you as well. Well, we're in the household of God. We're sons and daughters of God. We're friends of God. We have these relationships. We're in the family of God. We're the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ. We have a relationship with him. And because of that, it's, it's a family. It's a body. Here are six traits of healthy families. Scripture to attend them. Let's take a look at these. Number one, healthy families show appreciation and affection. Appreciation and affection. A healthy family is going to be able to communicate, I love you. Thank you for what you do. We value you in our family. Uh, We show affection and appreciation. The affection is, is appropriate, but it's encouraging, and it can look a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be physical affection, but it's a sense of heart-to-heart encouragement. We love one another. John thirteen thirty four tells us that we are to love one another. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. healthy family has the trait of commitment, commitment to each other. We say this in my family. Uh, My son really started this uh, from a friend way back in his life when he was maybe in junior high. He's almost 36 now. But my son would talk about a special friend or he, I remember the first time I heard it, he was describing a friend of mine and he said, dad, he Peyton has your back for life. You're in the military, they've got your six. They're behind you. They've got your back for life. Healthy families have a commitment to each other. Now, it's not a blind commitment. We don't stuff stuff under the surface. We don't pretend that what's real is unreal. But we have the kind of loving commitment that is informed with reality and truth that we're committed to one another. And as the body of Christ, the church, it seems to be absolutely apropos that we would have this kind of commitment as well. The second chapter of Ephesians 19 and 20, we've we've been there already. But 19.20 says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ alone. You're being built up, the end of the passage says, as a dwelling. 
you have a commitment to each other that is resting on this foundation of the, the patriarchs of the faith. Healthy families have positive communication. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you were doing. Building each other up. Hey, do you know the difference between life-giving and life-taking communication? There is nothing like having people in your life who speak life to you in a life-giving way. I sat down a while ago, and I had one of those cute little hearts you get on a text message. If you've never gotten one, I hope you do. I hope that comes to you soon. I see that smile. I got one of those cute little hearts, and my wife said, I am praying for you this morning as you preach. You know what that is? That's encouragement. That's life-giving. Now, if she had sent me a text just before I stepped up and said, by the way, you're stupid, dumb, and ugly, and you hate dogs and cats, that would have been what? That would have been life-sucking. It would have just taken it out of me. But this lady, the love of my life for 40 years, literally is... I'm sure between services leading worship this morning and she's praying for me. It is life-giving. And healthy families have positive communication with each other. You know what it costs you to be positive with one another? Almost nothing. A moment in time. It's not expensive. It's not going to cripple you. As a matter of fact, it is amazing what happens when you're positive with other people. I, I say this, to, it may be an insight into me, I hope it doesn't discount anything I ever say here because it's second nature to me, it's just what I do. Uh, there are so many people, I just love people. There are some unlovable people, by the way. Have you ever met any of these people? Uh, maybe you are one of those people. There's some pretty thorny, prickly people out there, but I genuinely and generally like people. And when I meet somebody and we have a conversation and I see something that they're doing that's productive in the kingdom or they're pleasant or they're, they're hardworking or they're encouraging, I have a habit of saying, you know, I like you. Even if I'll never see them again and walk away because we all like that, don't we? Nobody's ever had their feelings hurt when somebody has said, hey, I like you. Positive communication in the family. Now, I've done parenting talks here at East Haven on at least two occasions, including a Sunday morning. And I may have shared this in this setting on a Sunday morning, but I know I've shared it as a part of those times together. Uh, Positive communication, young parents. How many of you would consider yourself a young parent in the room? Can I see some hands? Put those hands up boldly. Thank you. Thank you. Young parents, older parents, You model what you want in your home because that's how we learn. And we've all laughed about this. I probably laughed about it in this room at some point in years past. But we've all had the moment as parents where we've said something and we realized we turned into our parents. Haven't you? What do you, money doesn't grow on trees. Close the door. I mean, we'll, we'll do that kind of stuff. You know, it's not free. We don't want to air condition all of outside. 
I'll give you something to cry about. All of you said this stuff. And if you were aware, you sound just like your parents. You know why? Because that's where you learn to do it. Well, if that's true, then we want to invest in positive communication in our families, nuclear family, as well as family, the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters. So in our family, with our kids, from the time they were born, if they ask a question or called out to us, we said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, or no, sir. You know why? Because we want to see that kind of respect modeled in our home. So my adult kids, if I said to Carly, Carly, and we were doing something, uh, we were having a dinner together, I said, Carly, she would say instinctively, yes, sir. Why? Because we modeled that in our home. And as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, we should model, like healthy families, positive communication. A fourth trait, enjoyable time together. Enjoyable time together. We're making memories that that makes sense. And we should enjoy each other. I served Broadmoor Baptist in Madison for uh, some time over 10 years. And I noticed last week, uh, and I saw some of these guys, and I said, I'm really jealous because this is awesome. They went to Liberty Park in Madison or the park, whatever it is. They took a stage, built a stage, took the band, and they did worship and lunch with about 1,000 people. You know what I love about that? They could have done worship and served lunch in their fellowship hall. It's a great facility designed for that. But they got into the community and they created a memory. They enjoyed each other. And it's critical as a family that we enjoy each other. Now, I'm going to give you an insight, and I I hope I step on somebody's toes here. You're not going to make those memories if you're not here. Let me say that again. You're not going to make those memories if you're not here. That's why we come here. That's one of the reasons we assemble together. It's acts of worship. It's acts of teaching. But it's also the family gathering together to make great memories. Number five, spiritual well-being. Yes, the University of Oregon and a number of other universities who worked for years to identify traits of healthy families said a sense of spiritual well-being was important in healthy families. What an insight. Man, if, if you have some spiritual grounding and foundation in your family and you speak of the Lord in your family, you're going to be more healthy and more deeply satisfied in your family at home. But here, there should be a spiritual foundation. Why we do what we do is based on God's word, not simply on pragmatic, how do we get this done? How do we pay for the building? How do we keep everybody coming? How do we help people obey some rules? That's not what we do. We're the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. We're members of the body. And number six, six, uh, healthy families have successful management of stress and conflict Can I give you a biblical principle? The rains are going to come and the winds are going to blow. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Stuff's going to happen. Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you. Did you know that? And yes, the people had favor with all the people in the earliest days of the church. And in any given situation, when you're gracious and winsome, and loving, people will love you. But you take a stand for truth long enough and you're going to rub the culture the wrong way. 
So in times of crisis and conflict, a healthy family will find a way to encourage their way through it. They will be bound together in such a way that they will not be rocked by the winds and the rain. That's what healthy families do. And we're a family, and we've got to be healthy. And to be healthy is to uh, predictably do all of these things. It is to be the church. Enjoyable time together. I listed Acts 2, the passage we've talked about, that the believers had all things in common and they broke bread together and they prayed together and they met in the temple courts together and the Lord added many that were being saved and they had favor with all the people. Spiritual well-being, James 5, 16, there's a spiritual alignment there that our faith includes works and deeds. We talked about that some last week. And Galatians 6, 2. I love Galatians 6, 2. When Paul writes to the church at Galatia, he's talking about uh, this dynamic, as we just said, of successful management of stress and conflict. In Galatians 6, 2, he says this, carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Church exists for a lot of reasons, and there are a lot of outlines in the church, and by the church, I mean the church has defined why we exist in palatable, understandable ways, a lot of different ways. But here over the last five weeks, we exist for worship to respond to God, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, and fellowship. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We are brothers and sisters. We're in a relationship with a heavenly father and he's called us to practice his presence and to love his people and to be a testimony of his grace in the world. I want to encourage you. I I told Scott and Jim Johnson earlier, you know, East Haven is very warm. You're a warm church. People are gracious and warm. I mean, you're, you're great. I don't know if you know this or not, but not all churches are that warm. Maybe you've seen one of those or been in one of those for 20 minutes. Uh, I've, I've been in several. Uh, God's frozen people. Oh, my goodness. I've been in some churches that were tough. And I've seen some church fights, usually at a distance, occasionally in the middle of them. Uh, I've seen a plan for church growth and church expansion. First church split, so we have Unity Church. Unity Church split, we have Friendship Church. Friendship Church split. Now we have Greater Friendship Church. Not all churches are warm. Not all churches get what it means to love each other and live in fellowship and community. But I sense that you do. And today I want you to be encouraged, to be positive, to be committed, to thoroughly enjoy each other, to serve one another, to have a spiritual grounding, and to know that God is your father and you're the sons and daughters of the king. We said it well as we sang earlier. You're also, in the words of Jesus himself, a friend of God. 
And that is an incredible place to be in our lives. It brings confidence, brings purpose, brings order, brings meaning. If you have perhaps put off, delayed, or maybe you're new to the community, maybe you're loving Jesus, but you've had difficulties loving the church in the past, I get it. And God's heart is toward you. But you can't, you can't live in a community that you don't belong to. Uh, I, I don't belong to every other community in the world. But I belong to my community of faith, my family of faith, the church that we belong to, this body in this season. So I want to extend an invitation to you this morning. If you have a need to belong to the body of Christ, to a church, this is your opportunity to make that decision public, to nail it down, to drive a stake down and say, God's leadership is leading us here for the season we're in. Or maybe you have considered how big God is and how big you think he is and you've just now, because of what's going on in your heart, have gotten your head around the fact that he's God and he's big. And you want a relationship with a God who knows you and loves you. And the scripture says he died, his son died for you in your place to pay a debt you could not pay. Maybe you've got questions about that. Or maybe you're in a season somebody needs to come along beside you and look you in the eyes and say, God loves you and we're praying for you and with you. Maybe you need that this morning. Whatever the need in your life, these invitation times are an opportunity to express that. So I'm going to pray for us. Robert's going to come back up. As a family, we're going to sing together. I'll be at the front. Phil will be available. Other pastors, leaders will be available. If you need to come and be a part of the body of Christ that is East Haven, if you need to investigate what it means to give your life and your heart to Jesus, or you need prayer and encouragement, any of those three, we are available to you in these moments. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you've called us sons and daughters and that you've allowed us to call you our Abba Father, the God who takes care of us, who has adopted us, who has lavished us with grace and with mercy and with love. And Father, my cry this morning to you is, sir, for any man or woman any young adult, any child, any young parent or single adult who's not trusted you, that today would be that day. We know that you're in the business of changing lives, and we know that changing lives brings glory to you, so we would ask you to do that in this place. And Father, I confess before these men and women, I'm not dependent on people who walk to the front. I'm dependent upon you to do life change in our hearts. And Lord, my experience is that many will will ponder who you are and where they are in their walk with you and never step away or walk to the front. God, I've got confidence you're at work and that's just fine. 
But for some, we need to step out and make a bold new decision in our life. Aligning with this church or maybe by your leadership, another one. But God, we need the body and the bride of Christ. Help us to value you by valuing your bride. We love you. God, I pray for courage and favor and decision-making and tender, receptive hearts this morning and ask you to do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Would you stand?